are listening to ComedySlamRadio.com. From our studios to the world, we bring you the finest in quality entertainment. So, pop some popcorn, grab a smooch buddy, and settle in for another fine show. From ComedySlamRadio.com. You are live with the Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank Show here on Comedy Slam Radio. We have another exciting show for you this week. With a slight change in venue, we have been graced with the presence of David Hines. How you doing, Mr. Hines? Thank you, Thank you Dave. It's nice to be here. Thank we're, you. Did, did you mention we're in the new studio? You, you're sitting next to me. Did you hear me mention that? Did you? No. Okay. You got to realize I. I just finished, I just started to introduce you. You already no, got pressure. Give me a chance. I'm. Ah, I can't handle all this pressure. I got Paul calling in. Give well, me a people break. watching, they know I'm already. Spelt. Leave me alone. Holy cow. No, uh, so no, we are in a new studio. Those yes. watching can tell. I look smaller in a bigger room. Not a lot, but... Uh, huh? Slanted a little bit. I just noticed, why do we have a full house puzzle framed, no less? I, I, think, I never noticed before. Now that we have so much room, I notice things like... Like yeah. pictures being on the walls that were always well, there. Nobody could see that picture. No, so. no one can see that except but I've just mentioned it. There you go. Unless so. I'm lying. Congratulations <laughs> that you brought up a bunch of stuff people can't see. But so tonight we got Paul Rodriguez calling in, uh, as he's referred to as uh, one of the Latin kings of comedy. Over 30 years in the industry, 40 movies. It's true. I mean, he's got he's got more movies than I have got stage time. More day he's done more <laughs> movies than I've done days on stage. So, it's he's, really he's done not. more movies than more time than times I've thought about being on stage. No, I don't know about that. You've been on stage oh, yeah. a lot. I've thought about being you've, on you've stage. Toured you toured around. You have. You've you toured all around the state of Florida and all that, right? I have. All yeah. pretty pretty much. Uh, yeah, I would say most every most most over Florida. All right. This coast so, and the East Coast. Nice. Um, so, what I know you have some upcoming shows. Before we get to the call with Paul, we're going to call out to him in another yes. couple of minutes. But you got some shows coming up you wanted to talk about? I do. Well, I mean, there's always uh, opening the mic, um, which will be tomorrow. At That's here on, on Comedy Slam on, Radio. On Comedy Slam Radio. It's a it's a cool little thing I've heard about. You know, once or twice. Yeah. Um, I heard the guy kind that. of a pus and, who runs uh, it, but I'll take your word for that. It's true. Some people say what. Um, but, uh, and also I'll be doing, um, open mic night at, uh, Coconuts Comedy Club and Golf to Bay Boulevard here in Clearwater, Florida. Yeah, I've been there many Thursdays and, myself. Yes, you have. And, uh, actually this weekend I will be hosting, um, Snappers in Palm Harbor, Florida on nice. Friday and Saturday. We have, uh, Wody and Ron Feingold, okay. who I've never seen before, but he's, he's gotta be funny. If he's getting booked he's to be the feature act there or the headline act. That's true. And then uh, on the 21st, I'll be at Finley's um, in Largo, Florida. All right. Cool, cool. Now, Finley's is a show I've done a couple of yes. times as well. Uh, that's with Kerning Quinn. And yes. uh, we're doing a little bit of rotation. So who's going to be there this week? Do you know all um, the four shows I, yet? I think. I don't know. Um, I do know that um, James Bailey will be returning with me, who's also my host, co-host right. um, on the radio show tomorrow. And uh, I want to say that John Mann's going to be back. Right. But I'm not positive. And, uh, also, and as always, Karen is going to be. Right. And I'm sure every, you know, we're going to, 
be rotating comedians in and out of that club. So nothing gets oh, yeah. boring. It's um, going to be Kieran a fun Kieran actually room. came down to uh, Coconuts last week and talked with a couple of uh, couple comics down there about great coming in on it. So cool. So I think we're gonna we're gonna have a good group of people with us. That's good. That's good. And I know there's more rooms opening all around. I see things on the Tampa Bay. Oh. Yeah, there. I think John. I think John Mann actually was talking about he's starting a room up. Yep. Um, somewhere, and uh, Mike Marillo has the Tampa Bay Picture Show, and there's always the improv. Yes, the improv, Jacks, um, plenty of good things that are going on. So it looks like we are getting ready to. Well, we got him on hold, so whenever you're ready to introduce, oh, him, patch we are through. ready. Let's not All right, we're going to patch hold. through right now, Paul Rodriguez. Let's go live. Paul, how you doing tonight? I'm fine. I'm here in traffic at the uh, Notorious World Five in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that means you got like seven hours of time to be with us. Yeah, I got all the time in the world. I'm moving at five miles an hour here. There you go. The best time to talk to people in, in traffic. There, there you go. Do you, are, are you talking on your Bluetooth? Are you being safe out there in L.A.? Yeah, I'm on Bluetooth here and. Uh, there you go. When you see people in walkers passing you by, you're like, at least you got AC when the walkers are passing. That's you good. By. Yeah, there's worse. The worst thing to be is stuck in traffic with no AC. So, Paul, I, re I, I suggested uh, I had an opportunity to work with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He, he uh, nominated me and, and confirmed that as uh, uh, the film commission, California Film Commission. But uh, I, I suggested to him one time that the lanes on the freeway should have to do with how much taxes you pay. That is great. There you go. We we you put it up and we will follow you on that. All right. So hey. Paul, I, wa I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, and I really appreciate you taking the time out while you're busy, stuck in traffic, to give us a call out here at Comedy Slam Radio and the Let's Be Frank show. But one of the things I've been interested in, I know you've been asked it before, but I'm hoping you can get into a little more detail, is the right. difference between when you're doing a show in English and when you're doing it in mm -hmm. Spanish. Because I'd imagine, although it's hard, there's just got to be some of your favorite jokes, whether in Spanish or in English, that just don't transfer into the other language. You probably just can't do that joke. They don't. You see, uh, third world countries don't, don't have a history of comedy. You know, there's, there's very little comedy. They're restricted. That is to say, you can't make any jokes about religion or the Catholic Church, basically. So there goes a lot of material. You can't do, uh, you can't do jokes uh, really about, uh, uh, you know, any kind of politics because you'll be on a firing squad. So they, they have... A, they don't have a history that America has uh, developing stand-up, which basically began in the Bush Belt and, and the Catskills, you know. Uh, but they, they don't have a history of that. So consequently, when you watch Spanish television, they're reduced to a lot of platforms uh, and, and funny voices and funny dressing, you know, the way they dress in the costumes. And there's a lot of sexual innuendo, but yet you can't be outright uh, vulgar because then you'll get, you'll get thrown out of Telemundo. So it's, it's very difficult to work in Spanish. Oh, I bet. That's why. Is that why they always have all the 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 people on Spanish TV are beautiful ladies? They're dressed spectacular to keep your attention. Well, well, 
I, I was making a comment how you said since it's a little bit different with the comedy. They always dress the ladies up so wonderfully on the Spanish channels. Yeah, absolutely. Tonight or any night, you know, if you don't speak Spanish and you're surfing through, the, through your channels, inevitably you stop at the Telemundo or Spanish International because they're, they're, they're sex. They sell sex on that. All their news anchors are all dressed with low-cut dresses, transparent desks. So they sell a lot of that. It's very sexy, you know. But uh, the, the, the whole format is different. My ex-old lady was president of Telemundo, so I got the insight on this one. What it is is basically they, they, uh, their news is basically controlled. You know, there's certain topics you can't talk about. So they're, they're, they're very conservative. In a lot of ways, they're, they're Republican. They just don't know it. <laughs> that is a great way to put it. So um, I, we're here. We're here. You just fine, Paul. You hear us okay? I can hear you just fine. All right. But uh, they're very, they're, Spanish television is still, uh, the comedy's still back in, in vaudeville days. You know, they do a lot of slapstick. They do a, 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 the most popular show on Spanish television is a show called Chapulín Colorado, which means the, the, the red grasshopper. And he's basically uh, uh, just dressed in a, in a, 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 a couple of antennas, dressed in a, uh, like a chimney cricket kind of outfit. And they do a lot of, uh, you know, innuendo, but they, they don't uh, they don't really talk about anything su substantive. Right. I, I try to pitch a Saturday Night Light uh, show to uh, to Provencio when he owned uh, 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 Spanish International or uh, Univision, the biggest one. Right. And uh, they basically didn't have a budget uh, for it. I had a show on, inter on Spanish International Television for four years. The ratings are, are terrific. And uh, towards the end, my ratings were the highest, and I asked them for a $50,000 raise, and they said I, I was crazy, so I, I had to, I quit. There you go, man. You got to do what's right for yourself there. I asked my boss for a $50,000 raise at the station, and he looked at me like I had three heads. But, uh, hey, <laughs> I, want, I want to talk to you. You brought up the Catskills, because we had Jackie Mason on last week, and he brought up the Catskills because you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, there wasn't anywhere else to really do your comedy. And I, I grew up in, in the Catskill region, so I was familiar with a lot of the hotels. So did you work at a lot of the hotels over there? I sure did. I got the, the last uh, end of it. I worked for the Parkers at the Concord, and uh, I worked at Kirsten's, and I, I worked, I got to, to see the old-timers work, you know. It's a shame because many of them are, are you know, they're, they're not being dead. But uh, I became good friends with uh with, with a lot of them, you know, uh, Freddie Roman and a lot of them, the, the, the old timers, the greats, you know, uh, uh, Buddy Hackett was a great friend of mine, and, uh, and, and they tell stories about how it how it all started. You know, basically it started they started as as tumblers, which is a Yiddish word, and they were uh, they basically to entertain the crowds on those rainy days. That's, that's where stand up really really began. Then you have the uh, the, the, famous, the guy from Simon Says, you know, he, he developed that into an art form. So stand up basically. Were, well, it was what a lot of them are today, you know, they're, they're fillers. Uh, they open for bands, uh, they, they keep a crowd interested, and it's economically uh, very reasonable because for a good stand-up, all you need is a microphone, and even that isn't all that necessary. And that's really, I mean, anybody who's doing stand-up today should uh, basically read a book called The Borscht Line or go back and, and read really the beginnings of stand-up because it's an American art form. You, you don't find this in in any other countries that I'm aware of. You know, I've been all over Latin America. They don't have stand-up comedians per se. 
now in Mexico City, they have a show called El Stand-Up, and uh, which is really funny. Uh, uh, the name is, is English, but they don't do stand-up per se because they're, they're still very, very much restricted. Well, and it's funny because you say with, with stand-up and how how it developed in New York and how you came out of New York, but really, in addition to just stand-up, I mean, you really opened up the Latino community and really the minority community in broad in a broad spectrum to comedy. I mean, you were well, at the very beginnings. There's a lot of humor in our community, but I was really the first one, so I received a lot of the animosity, you know. Uh, <laughs> when I went on the Tonight Show, my, my mom was all afraid, you know. I made a couple of jokes about Reagan, and she was really afraid that we are going to be deported or something, you know. <laughs> I told my mom, I said, look, there's a constitution in America. And she told me that there was a constitution in Mexico, and uh, it, didn't, it didn't mean a thing either over there. So but it, it's hard to, to convince the community that, that uh, stand-up comedy is, is, a, is a way of, uh, you know, a lot of the great stand-up comics really had a lot of influence on, on our social values. You know, I would venture to say that Richard Pryor was more important in, uh, in, in, in freeing up the, 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 the I would say, the, the black uh, experience to those of us that didn't know it, you know. And, and uh, from there, you know, a lot of us patterned ourselves, uh, those of us who were lucky enough to know Richard. And, and, and you were one of those that was definitely lucky enough to know Richard. I felt, uh, you know, I feel lucky enough to get you to call in. But, you know, given credit where credit is due, I mean, you really opened up the world to a lot of Spanish and Latino comedians. And, you know, looking back on it, how, how do you feel about it? When you look back, do you see where you started to see the change? Or, you know, it's got to be a pretty proud accomplishment. Well, you know, every dog has his day, and I've had a week. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty uh, happy with that, you know. The, the, the Latino stand-up comedy is, is in good hands right now with Gabriel uh, Iglesias and uh, uh, Felipe Esparza, who won the last uh, comic standing. And, of course, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the 400-pound gorilla right now is George Lopez, and, and he's, <laughs> he's done a lot. But uh, when I say that, I mean that literally. But, uh, I know. You know, the, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, work to be done. I, I don't want to live to see it, but I think... Uh, Spanish uh, stand-up will, will eventually uh, take its own, its, its own place, you know, become more and more accepted, more and more important. You know, because uh, America is basically an amalgamation of languages, you know. Uh, you know, if you know anything about stand-up, then, uh, then, then all, the, all the other ethnic groups fall in. At the, at the last lecture, for example, last Friday, there was a big article in USA Today. We were on the front page. Uh, on the, uh, uh, at the last lecture, we it's broken down to so ethnic nights, you have Chocolate Sunday, which is African-Americans, and then you have a Latino night on Mondays, then you have the Asian night, uh, I think Wednesdays, and then uh, you have, a, I think you even have like a, an Arab-American Arab uh, uh, night. So it's all being broken down into uh, uh, basically ethnic nights, and I think Caucasians still have uh, Thursdays and, and Fridays, so, you know, Saturdays, too, so they're in good shape. There's no danger there. But it's, and that's with the Laugh Factory, right? Yes, huh? And now you, you're pretty involved with the Laugh Factory, haven't they? You've done some stuff with the Laugh Factory in Chicago as well, because I was reading some different news articles uh, yeah. in relation well, to that. Well, we spent some money there, and, uh, and we believe that Chicago is a great town for comedy. Second City has, has a great history for comedy. We don't think it, we don't think it was being serviced properly, you know. The improv is there, and I play the improv. There's a great club, but they're they're outside the city. They're they're in Schaumburg, you know. So 
So mm-hmm. if we want to open a, a, a big first-class kind of a, a venue right there on Lake, uh, Lake Shore Drive, you know, and we spent about two and a half million dollars, and uh, we want to make it like a first-class. It's the kind of a kind of club that the Chicago deserves. Uh, we we need to get it there. I agree. I lived in the city, just outside of the city. Uh, I'm sorry, the city of Chicago, for about a half a year, and it's a beautiful city. And that was one thing that. I missed because I've always enjoyed going to comedy shows. Even before I became a comedian, a little over a year and a half ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't even. There was the one improv in in Schaumburg, but there's barely anything in the city of any class or to really be spoken of. And I'm sure you guys are going to do a great venue. How you doing there, Paul? We lose you. Oh, we did. We did get lost from Paul, but why we get why we get Paul back on the phone? We're I have him up, and they do have the Laugh Factory. Oh, oh, there we go. Him right in the process. Got in the ring. I don't think he's on anywhere though. He's probably yeah, he's still in traffic. He's, still, he's in traffic. He's not going anywhere. Hello. Hey, Paul. Hi, I guess we got lost there. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm still here. That's okay. You didn't get lost. You're still. You would move about four feet. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you fine. <laughs> We, we, we said, I'm would you move about four hours. You're going to be here for the next few hours. We're going to keep you on yeah, with us the whole time. <laughs> trying to get home here, but go ahead. It's a, it's a privilege to talk to you all. I appreciate you oh, saying it's that. It's a privilege to talk to you. So in addition to, you know, a lot of your stand-up, you've done a lot of things. You've done about 40 different movies. And I remember one of my favorite ones was, it was a long time ago, but the DC Cab movie was one of the first ones I really remember you from. You know, a comedy really should have its own uh, place. And I'm now that I'm on the film commission, I'm trying to work with the studios. To, you know, there's been some great comedies that really don't get their, 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 their just desserts, especially at Oscar time, you know. Not that I'm in any of them, but there certainly are some, some great uh, comedic actors. And I think, I think uh, Eddie Murphy, for example, is way overdue, you know. Yeah, definitely. That's true. Comedy is really the one doesn't really have like the horror movies have their the Scream Awards and but like there's no real awards for comedy movies. Um, specifically, and it's the only thing making money right now. You know, if you read the article, they break it down for you. Something's making money in, in these hard uh, economic times. It's really comedy. You know, I mean, our job is is as important as a as a psychiatrist, a psychologist. You know, we 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 keep uh, America. You know, we keep their minds off of the, the real problems, you know, and that's, that's really what, a, what good comics do, uh, what clubs, uh, all these fine clubs all over the, the country, you know, uh, when, when you're feeling depressed, I think psychiatrists just recommend you a, a night of, of, of comedy, a night of, uh, of, of CK, a, a night of all these great comics that are out there working, you know? Definitely. I, you know, they, they do say laughter is the best medicine, and we actually have two shows here on Comedy Slam Radio that are... Uh, Comedy related, related with a health theme about how comedy with everything from cancer patients and all sorts of things with charities and how they kind of just go hand in hand. I'm a believer in that. I'm a believer in that. You know, I, I visited uh, the Middle East quite a bit. I, I've done six uh, tours over there to 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 uh, uh, there in Afghanistan, Iraq, and all that area. And personally, on, on, on a personal level, I think that whole part of the Middle East. All they really need is a comedy club, a, 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 a topless bar, and, and a good beer. <laughs> there you go. 
Yeah, they don't know, know much about the topless clubs over there yet. That would change the whole world no. for them. Absolutely. Look at all the countries that have been involved in wars. They don't really have a history of comedy. You know, the Japanese, uh, the Germans. Come on. You know, they, 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 it has says something about your culture. If you're, if you're unable to, to really, if, if you don't prize laughter, uh, there's something psychologically uh, wrong in that, in, in that culture, you know? You have to, you have to, uh, uh, you know, when you think of uh, the people in Al-Qaeda, you, you, don't, you don't think of them packing any jokes uh, about the infidels, you know? I mean, you, you, you got you to gotta lighten up. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the kind of thing that goes good with a, a joint and a beer, if I, if, I may, uh, if I may add that. <laughs> you may add whatever you like, sir. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's, that's comedy right there, you know? Uh, all, these other, uh, all these other countries that, that don't have uh, entertainment, uh, have to use their, their, their resources for, for other endeavors, you know, which, which are not healthy uh, to, the, to the populace. Comedy is, is essential uh, mental health, really. That's what it is. I agree. I'm actually doing uh, my second charity event. As I said, I'm very young in comedy, so my second charity event's going to be coming up in February, and we're doing a, it's a 13 years they've been doing the benefit, but it's to raise money for Alzheimer's. And it's going to be in front of about five or six hundred people, which is also going to be my biggest audience ever. Um, so it's interesting, but you know, I've done shows where I've been paid, and you know, obviously nowhere near like the pay as as you get. But it, it's well, it's a, it's a better you know, feeling when you do the. But anybody, anybody, any young comic that's listening, anybody that gets into this business, thinking, uh, looking at the uh, end product of many many years of hard work, when you see successful comedians. Nobody starts like that, you know. You start in front of chicken wire. You start in front of the twenty dollars, the thirty, the forty. You know, then eventually you have enough money to not to have a day job. But it's a long struggle. You know, there's a lot of very good, hardworking uh, blue collar comics. You know, that, that get up and go at a nightclub that's half empty every night. You know, hoping yeah. that one day they'll be filling up our arenas. You know, it's a lot of hard work to, before you're driving that Cadillac at five dollars an hour. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a long road to hurry up and stop. What? Yeah. yeah ho- hopefully, one day we'll be stuck in traffic talking to somebody on the radio show as yeah, successful as Paul, Paul Rodriguez is. It'll happen. It'll happen. There you go. Well, yeah, our radio shows. This particular show, of mine, has been up for about five or six months, and over the last couple of weeks, we've been really blessed with some great call-ins. Aside from yourself, we had Bobby Slayton and Jackie Mason. Uh, just calling over the last, yep, uh, Steve Middleman, and we've had Pete DeRujo in the studio. And uh, next week, uh, we have, yeah, we've been very lucky. We have, what's that? These are my, my, my colleagues. My, I just saw, I was at the Christmas dinner with uh, Bobby Slate, the pit bull of comedy, you know, and, uh, and you know what he said about Jackie Mason that he won't tell you himself. Jackie Mason <laughs> is uh, probably one of the great treasures of comedy. I mean, when you think of a, uh, uh, he's, he's a walking history book of, of really the beginnings of it all. You know, when, when he goes, it'll be a great loss. Yes, and, it will. And Jerry Lewis are, are just uh, giants. You know, I, I've had the privilege to know both of them, and uh, I'm very really happy to say that uh, that I got to meet these guys. You know, I was good friends with Marty Dangerville and all these old timers that have somehow been forgotten. You know, they, uh, if you see them playing any club, any place around, go see them. You know, go see the all the Jackies. You know the the mm-hmm. Masons, uh, the Jackson, the Hayes, all of them. Go, go see them. There's like six of them there. They're just uh, the few that are living are just, uh, just classics, you know? Yeah. Well, when Jackie Mason, we had him, he called in this past Monday 
because he was going to be re- right here in Clearwater at the Capitol Theater uh, on this past Saturday on the 7th. So I went to the show, uh, brought a friend. I'm making that. I'm sorry? I'm, I'm always glad Jackie made something because I, I tired myself in a lot of ways because he did. Yes. He talked about where he came from and his Jewish roots and the stereotype and everything like that. And I've done the same thing about my Mexican American roots. Try, try to do it uh, with, with as much dignity as I can. But, you know, uh, if only if you can do it uh, half as good as Jackie, you, you'll, you'll have a good career. Oh, I hope to one day be, you know, a tenth of the comedian that yourself or Jackie are. But I was very honored to get to meet him and speak to him for four or five minutes after the show this past Saturday. Uh, it was humbling for me. He was a great guy. He, he paid me a compliment on interviewing me, which made me feel really well or really good. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I try to go see as many people as I can uh, as they come through because it's a learning a long experience. Ago, a long time ago, uh, in Broadway, they had, the, they had a play up there about stand-ups. Uh, I believe it was called the Catskills. Okay. And uh, they, they had these old-timers would go up there and open the show and, and try to uh, show the audience what really stand-up was in the beginning, you know. It's all been forgotten. I think the, net, the Internet has been both has been both good and, and, and bad for, for, for stand-up. It's good because it, it gives a lot of exposure to a lot of comics that deserve it. But it's bad because it burns your material right away, you know. Somebody could be taping you and your material is burned. And comedy doesn't work uh, repetitively. Uh, if... if you know, the funniest joke in the world, the first time you hear it, it'll make you laugh if it's funny. The second time, it'll make you giggle. And the third time, regardless of how funny it is, it'll make you wonder why it was funny in the first place, because it works on the element of surprise. So uh, the Internet kind of burns your material uh, a lot, but, but it forces the good ones to come up with, with new stuff. And that's probably the most difficult thing about we stand up is, is coming up with fresh new ideas and new material. But if you, if you talk about yourself, where you come from, what, what happened to you, your, your experience on this earth, then that's the only way you could really be unique, you know. Uh, otherwise, uh, you just start sounding like cookie-cutter comedy that, that, uh, and everybody. Everybody's doing a Walmart joke. Everybody's doing a, a cell phone joke, you know. After a while, the audience has already heard that, so you have to more or less uh, develop material that's unique, that's like a, like a fine, uh, uh, you know, suit that's, that's couture just for you, you know. And yeah. that's the most difficult thing about standing out is the hardest thing for, for, for young comics, you know? Yeah, and w- one of the things I've actually been, because my, my name on stage is Fat Davey, and it's probably because I have a little too many X's on the back of my shirt. But I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to move away from the fat guy jokes and move into a little bit more storytelling about my family, experiences, <laughs> things, things that I actually didn't think I would survive that, you know, I thought my father would have would have killed me when I destroyed the carpet or when I set the carpet on fire and I actually made it through it to become a 39-year-old man. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to tie those. Yeah, and I noticed all the great comedians, that's what they do. They really they embrace their life and their family and they share it as opposed to just telling jokes. And that's, you know, it's a hard process to go from the last 18 months to try to correlate that. The story basically is what keeps an artist, uh, your attention, what keeps them uh, in your pocket with their attention. The story has to be able, they have to be able to relate to that story, something that's mundane, something that's common. 
all of the, 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 the best comics tell you a story. They take you there, you know. They, they take you there with their, with their dog when they were 12, you know, going to the dentist, you know, their particular religion, their, their fears, their, 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 their joys, their toys, all the whole thing. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a nostalgic trip, you know. The, the one-liner uh, comics, well, you know, the, the great ones, you know, the, 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 they should leave it to the Henny Youngman, the, 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 those kinds of people. I'm saying it, it's all viable, whatever makes an audience laugh. For longevity, uh, an audience has to be able to relate to what your what, what your experience was, you know. And an audience will grow old with you, you know. Uh, I've been doing this for 35 years, and there's been people, the same people coming to see me for all that long, you know. It's gotten to the point where you go, hey, you know, you know them on a first-name basis, you know. And then it's, it's, it's good and it's bad, but but uh, as long as you keep uh, buying a ticket, you know, a whore like me will keep telling the joke. There, there you go, man. A, a guy's got to do what he's got to do. A girl's got to do what she's got to do. That's now, it. Yeah. So let me ask you, out of all the up-and-coming comedians that you see, because I know with you being involved at the Laugh Factory, you get to see a lot of the young talent that comes through, especially out there in L.A., do you have any comedians that, that that you think are real up and comers that you'd like to pay a little props to out there? Well, you know, there's, there's some uh, there's some comedians that, that the name doesn't ring out. There's a guy named Lou Strong, I believe uh, that he's going to do it. There's another guy named Chris Thorin. Chris Thorin is a he, he, he's going to surprise people. You know, he's he's this kid from Oakland. He's white. He grew up in a black neighborhood. That's the theme of his stuff. Uh, he's still, there's a guy named Manny Maldonado. He's uh he's, he's kind of Crazy, Robin Williams, kind of young Robin, and uh, there's, there's so many that, that I know that, that a lot of them are going to come up to me. Hey, you didn't give me no props, but look, uh, those who work in anonymity, uh, it, it's your material that will get you out there. You know, just just keep. Uh, I can't emphasize it enough. Just keep plugging away. Comedy has to be your passion. You have to have that passion for it. A lot of people, a lot of the actors that come over here, they use comedy so they can get into a sitcom or get into the movies. You know, the, the real stand-ups do stand-up, they do movies, uh, they do everything else so that people will come see them live because the stand-up is what drives them, you know. Uh, I'm thinking right now, uh, a guy like George Carlin, the guy did movies but really wasn't known for movies. He did television but really wasn't known for television. He always put stand-up first. Stand-up was what he was, was a stand-up. He wasn't an actor, really. He acted. He wasn't really a, a television star. He was on television. He was a stand-up first. Everything else secondary. You know, there, there, are, there are comedians, for example, uh, Jimmy Carey, who's one of the most brilliant comics out there, doesn't really do stand-up anymore because he always wanted to do acting first. Man, it's, it's our loss because uh, those of us who got to see him night after night when he was coming up to the comedy store will we'll really miss that because, I mean, uh, it was just a genius how this man could, uh, probably the, the, the best impersonator uh, on the planet, you know, and, and it's a shame he doesn't really do stand-up anymore. Well, maybe one day he'll make a comeback. It's like wrestling. You never know when they're going to come back. He could be another Hulk Hogan. Uh, you know, Jimmy needs to go, uh, he needs to, you know, money will make you lazy. That, that's, that's, that's true. So uh, he needs to go Chapter 11 before we see him again, and that's going to be a while. <laughs> well, a couple more money weddings will... and a couple more divorces. That might happen quicker. Oh, yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. But uh, he's living fat, you know. But the audience can't get enough of him, and hey, he deserves it. Think he had a rough life. But uh, those of us who really would like to see him get up and do all those, the myriad of voices he used to do, is, it's just amazing the gift this guy has, you know. I think he's, uh, he's, he's, he's up there with Peter Sellers. I mean, this guy, I, I was privileged to know him early in, in his career, and, and every time I see him, I, I say to myself, man, I remember when he was just, nobody wanted to follow him. Richard Pryor didn't want to follow him. Nobody wanted to follow Jim Carrey up on, 
the main room of the comedy store. I think the only one that went through there was Nice Clay. I don't know what <laughs> he was around at the time. But he fought in front of anybody, you know, Paul Mooney, whoever. I had a, a comedian, Pete DeRugio, was in the studio here about a couple of months ago, and he told a story about he opened up for Jim Carrey, and, you know, he, you know he's, as you would describe, a, a great blue-collar comedian that's toured nationally for 20 or 30 years, and he says yeah. he went out there and he gave it his best shot, and he thought he rocked the house, and he goes, I'm going to show this young buck what it's all about, and he goes, Jim Carrey got in there, and the entire building shook. And he goes, it was a, t- a totally different experience. They just exploded. He goes, it was a humbling experience as a comedian. Yes, it was. Uh, you know, Robert, uh, early Robert Williams was like that. He was finally the fastest done. Uh, you know, but you had guys, uh, believe it or not, you had guys like Gallagher. Gallagher was uh, a monster on stage. He was a terrific, terrific uh, comedian. You know, he, he spawned uh, stereotypes and people of that, of that genre. But back in the day when... The lineup at the comedy store was was unbelievable. You know, in the '80s, the lineup was anywhere from you know Robert Klein to, to you know the, the just the who's who. Uh, 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 Kelly Montes, that's a guy that's a brilliant guy that hardly you hear you hear of him anymore. Uh, Chip Adada, man, these guys were just were just monsters. And, it, and you'd sit there for five bucks and you see six comics uh, uh, up there, and one was. Louder than the other, and the other, and the other, and you, as a young comic, would say to yourself, "Man, what am I thinking? Well, that's that's just impossible to get that kind of uh, a noise, you know." And then I would be kept off uh, with, with special guests that would that would show up, you know, your your Bing Cosby's, your Norms, the Norm Cosby would come out there. I'm sorry, and it was just it was just an amazing time, you know, the, the golden age of the comedy store. Uh, I would say in the, from the '80s to about '95 was mecca for for anyone that. that did stand up, you know. You, you, you're nine, ten, twelve dollars. You have people in the parking lot like Sam Kennison, uh, parking cars. You know, uh, Polly Shore was was uh, like thirteen years old. It was a it was a golden time. It was a uh, uh, you know the four age. It was crazy. All the waitresses, some of the waitresses became famous. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> they, they went on to to, to get two bigger things. Uh, I believe that um, uh, who was a uh, the girl is married to, to, to this guy, or they got divorced right now with Asin Kusher, right? Yeah, um, you mean Demi Moore? Moore, Moore. Demi Moore? Demi Moore. Yeah, yeah she was away. She was in a, a bunch of other girls. The girl that was in Superman, and I forget, I'm, I'm suffering from Alzheimer's, but uh, it, it was it was a magnificent time uh, there. You know, you, you see guys like Harry Basil. He's a magnificent showman. Uh, you have uh, Angel Salazar, man. Uh, a lot of these guys belong in the in the, the, the hall, the wall of fame, man. They 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 had their part in it. They, they were just their, their their act was honed in, it was crafted, and they just would blow away a room. And you know, uh, Danny Johnston, uh, a guy that just died not too long ago, Dick Dunlap was, was a fantastic performer. And uh, you know, there's just there's just really no place. Uh, the last factory comedy stories like that, uh, you, you can't afford to give young guys a chance. You know, by the time you come to Hollywood. You better have it because uh, the, 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 the angels will come. They'll see you. You better be good that night. You're not going to get no second chances. It's very difficult. Now. In a lot of ways, it's a lot harder to make it now than, than it was back in the day, you know, when comedy was still sort of, you know, new and fresh and there was an opportunity to develop a, a different kind of character. Now, uh, you know, somewhere, somewhere in Houston is the best comic comedian in Houston. He's already here in Los Angeles trying to get his, uh, his opportunity. It's very hard to, to, to try to... Try to Stick out to, to, to try to be unique in this business is, is 
probably the hardest thing to do. Yeah, and I think a lot of people try to take advantage of the uh, social networking. And I know I do that even for my show. I put my podcast up not only on, you know, Facebook and Twitter, but within the Twitter and within Facebook, there's comedian groups from every major city across the country. And you can go in and intermingle and get to know other comedians and help arrange rooms and interviews and all sorts of great well, things. I use, I use the Internet to get laid, basically. That's, <laughs> that's pretty much all I use it for, you know. I intermingle in social networks and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I have, you know, I, I, I have been known to do some damage on Match.com or JDate.com. So the Internet is a beautiful thing. Everybody's got it. And, and everybody's got an Internet joke tied to their cell phone because your cell phone couldn't be anything if it wasn't a big enough screen to watch porn. These four inch and five inch well, iPhones. You, you know, you feel so old, man, uh, talking about the, the technology has come by so fast. But literally in the 80s. No, no, no cell phones. I remember my first cell phone was the size of a two by four with a with a with a, with a, <laughs> wow. uh, a, a CS diehard attached to it. You know, Nobody yeah, it came in a suitcase. They came in yeah. suitcases, or they were strapped into the back of your car. It was like well, don't think you use a World War Two. You had a crank in the back. <laughs> but now, I, 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 I'm the spokesman for Verizon, so they give me all the technology and. I just, uh, it's hard to learn that stuff. It's going so fast, you know. Did you say you're a spokesman for Verizon? Yeah, I, I got signed. I'm, I'm, I'm doing like, uh, signed to do like eight national commercials for them. I just finished one yesterday. All right. Well, then, coming out. Since you're a spokesman for Verizon, I'm going to talk about the fact that I work for Verizon. I'm a cell phone salesman there. So there you go. we'll give them a double shout out, one, for, one from the East Coast and one from the West Coast. We're both pulling a paycheck from Verizon. I just finished, a, just finished a commercial where they where they put these angel wings, the same ones that Travolta used in the movie uh, Michael. They, these big old wings, and I come out, I look like a pigeon, you know. And, and, uh, <laughs> and I, I, talk about, I talk about how communications have, have, uh, have uh, how modern it is, you know. And you spend a lot of money, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's about pretty good. I come out with a couple of babes, and I talk about their Verizon, their, their new... Uh, the new equipment uh, and stuff like that. And look, man, I'm, I'm just happy that they uh, they saw fit to, to use a guy like me. You know, it, it's not easy being 57 and staying viable in the business. This is a, is a hard, difficult thing because it, it's a young man's business. You know, all right. So it's, uh, it's all about it's all about youth. Yeah, and I started a little late. I started in my at 38, almost 39 years old. So I have so much energy that I could devote to it, which is one of the reasons why I decided to have the radio show because I get to reach out to everybody from open mic comedians who have been in and on the show all the way up to national celebrities and superstars like yourself. So it's a great learning experience oh, for me. But, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an opportunity. Uh, if you notice uh, uh, on the web or if you notice that uh, uh, people would rather talk about uh, comedy, uh, a joke, uh, a crafting something, how do you write something, uh, how to... What makes something funny will always be a mystery to all of us, you know. And uh, I think it was, was Chaplin who said that a pie in the face uh, was the only joke that you didn't need no language for and that it would be funny. It was funny then and it would be funny uh, a long time after, after we're gone, you know. It, it's it's trying, to, trying to find a joke that can really make the world laugh. I went to South Africa and I was talking to some promoters there. We're trying to put together a show. It's still am one of these days. Uh, international uh, comedy, you know, where, where uh, comedians from every uh, country will get together and, and try to craft a joke that everybody understands uh, that, that transcends language. 
Uh, but we should get the funds for it. But th that's something that will eventually happen. So someone will do it. You know, uh, I was in South Africa, and you have a lot of uh, comedians from Malawi there, uh, uh, which is basically those are their Mexicans there in Malawi. And then you, you get, there's a lot of Indian folks from India there in South Africa. And they got a big comedy festival. And it's huge there. I also went to Chile, and I was doing a, uh, my routines over there in, in, in Chile, at Villan del Mar. It's an it's a international kind of set. But their comedy is kind of... Chile's kind of repressed. You know, they had Pinochet and a lot of their comedy. They, they, they don't know how to take it pretty much, but, you know, you take some chances. Hopefully, uh, you know, they'll, they'll like it. And I didn't get shot, so, you know, but I, I call that a good day. And, uh, <laughs> Any day you're going to get shot you know? is a good day. So, <laughs> so coming from somebody who's obviously toured the United States and all around the world, and the United States being, a, we'll guess, we'll call it the mecca of comedy, when traveling outside yeah. of the United States, where is your favorite city or country to perform in? Well, I haven't gone all over the place. I got a couple of invitations to go to England. I'm going to take it this year. England is a, is a place I got to tackle, you know. Uh, I got to go down there to see if it, if it works. But I like I like Guam, believe it or not. Guam is like the poor man's Hawaii, but it's beautiful, 6,000 miles away. That island is right for comedy, the Anderson Air Force Base. They got a, a good comedy circuit there. Um, Japan was surprisingly good because you have all these uh, students that come in and uh, Japanese students who, who speak uh, very broken English and uh, they enjoy it. They know everything about you. You know, I was surprised. A lot of them had uh, born in East LA shirts and I was surprised they knew who I was really. But there's a lot of military there. You get a lot of American military and then you get a lot of locals that are fascinated by anything American. You get yourself a nice group there. Uh, Spain was kind of uh, empty. I, I couldn't draw too much. But I, I'm not giving up on Spain. I'm going to try it again. Um, trying to, uh, Columbia has an international comedy festival. They've invited me twice. But this is a country that shot their goalie for missing, uh, for, for missing a, a soccer score. <laughs> so I'm not too crazy about going over there. But uh, I, might, I might take their invitation next year. I would like to, before my time is up in, 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 in life, I would like to, you know, be able to say, I've been there, I did that. I was kind of like the Christopher Columbus of that sort of thing. Because eventually, they... Eventually, comedy's going to be able to, people are going to be able to, uh, to go to all kinds of countries and understand that if you know English, pretty much can work just about anywhere in the world. Right. Yeah, I was reading an article where you were saying, going back to comedy expanding, you were saying how you think uh, James from over at the, Jamie from over at the Laugh Factory is going to try to put a, star, a comedy to be like Starbucks everywhere. I believe it. I, I'm telling you, I'm no Nostradamus, but I tell you, the day will come and there'll be a comedy club in the moon. And I hope it'll be our club, the Laugh Factory, you know. Uh, there you go. You know, we'll name it after, we'll name it after uh, the man on the moon, you know. We'll name it after uh, uh, Lafka, you know. <laughs> Andy Coffin, may, may he rest in peace. You uh, know, uh, I, so I, I thought you meant the little, the little Martian from Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yeah, you know, they got, they got comedy. You know, the, the little Martian after, uh, from Bugs Bunny. All I'm saying is that it's, it's, it'd be nice to, to be able to live another 40 or 50 years and to see where it goes, because I'm optimistic about it. You know, the Mayans are wrong. So this planet, the Earth's not going to end in 2012 because they couldn't find a sponsor. So, so <laughs> you, know, you shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't live life afraid. You should just live for today, make today good, uh, try to be as funny as you can today, try to make people laugh, and just move on, man. If your legacy is that I made more people laugh, and cry, then that's a good legacy to have on the tombstone, you know? I yes. mean, you shouldn't take yourself too serious. It should be, always should be very 
really a privilege when you meet these old timers that that uh, gave you a career, you know. And and that, that all, all they want is a thanks, and then I thank them as often as I can, you know. And someday they'll thank me, and and and, and it goes on. Yeah, I mean every. I mean I thank you one just for calling in, but it was from watching shows like yours growing up and watching all the other great comedians that even made me think that I could do it because I had to watch the things that you were doing. So, you know, I'll say thank you, and I think yeah. Mr. Hyde should well, say definitely. thank you as well. Well, I think it's, it's, it's great. What's think that? Even you can learn comedy even from the bad comedians, the ones that, that you go up there and you feel, oh, you feel for them because they're sucking. You can learn from them more than you can learn from somebody who's polished, you know, because they, I have great respect for anyone who takes a microphone and has the chutzpah to get up and, 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 and just try their jokes, you know. I, I give them more props than those people who sit in the corners in the darkness of, of a club just criticizing everybody, uh, telling us how they would do it, but they never do it, you know. There's an old Spanish saying that says that uh, uh, those who want do more than those who can. And that's true, you know. I mean, if you've always thought about being a stand-up, you say you got started late in life. I got started late in life. I was 26, you know. But it really is no need that that's how bad you wanted, you know. There are people that started doing comedy at 12, at 10. You never hear them. Everybody has a time and a place, and, and if, if, you, if you can build a better mousetrap, and in our case, it's a, if you can come up with a better punchline, I mean, the world will be the path to your door, man. Yeah. We, that's what we believe at in the last factory. We believe in showcasing and putting on the best stand-up comics the, 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 that America has to offer uh, today. And we're, we're just hoping that we can pay them. There you go. And I, and I think it's going to keep on growing and continue to be successful because everybody needs a good laugh, especially Every, yeah. in a downtrodden Everyone economy. Everyone needs to laugh. And I think it's great just talking talking to Paul. I think it's great just to, you know, to hear, because everyone started exactly where we are. Like, no one grew up and was bam on TV. You right. know, no one Absolutely. had the silver spoon in their mouth. And so to, to, to talk to people like Paul, and, you, you, you know, I was in there for Bobby Slade, and talking to people that were exactly the same place we were at one point in their life, you know, and, and you know, like, Paul, I'd be interested, like, has there been any times, like, where you were, like, at the, the step of going, I don't know if I, if I can do it? Like, because everyone gets to that point where you, you, you question yourself, and you, you, you wonder, and you push through that, and then you get it. You get a mental block every once in a while, you say to yourself, wow, man, maybe, maybe it's a thing of the past, but, but look, you got to relax and, and convince yourself that there's something you're bringing to the table, that, that somebody getting more famous or getting richer, getting more exposure than you doesn't take anything away from you. It should just give you more, more, more nachas. It should just give you a, a, a feeling that, hey, it's still very possible in this country. Look, Rodney Dangerfield didn't get started until he was in his late 50s, 40s, you know. He had two careers. And people like that read his book, that'll give you hope. I'll tell you this. Uh, somebody once told me, and this is not an original thought, but it's as truthful as it was when they told me, that nobody in this business is so in that, that they can't be out. And nobody is so out and forgotten that they can't be in the hottest thing next week. You know, it all boils down to what you bring to the table. Every night when you go up on stage, if you, get, if you make a, a people laugh, if you get a good response, that right there should translate, should give you more hope. If you go out there and you suck, then it should just tell you, look, I got to rethink my thoughts, but never give up on yourself because comedy isn't a, a, a past. Uh, if you're going to be successful as a stand-up, it has to be a disease. It's, you don't do stand-up because you want to. It's a hobby. It's the only thing in life you want to do. Yeah. And when, when it's the only thing in life you want to do, 
then nothing else will do. Whether you're rich or you're poor, I told myself a long time ago that I was going to be a stand-up whether people paid me to, to get off the stage or, or, or people paid me $2 million just to, to, to tease them that I don't go on stage. It has nothing to do with economics. Money is a byproduct of you doing something really good. Exactly, and every stand-up yeah. was rich uh, or well-off. Believe me, they, they burned every nickel every night. There you go. Because a lot of people spend years traveling all around the country just to make fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year just a basic living and yeah. that's dedication out of love. You know, that's well, you, yeah. You have There's to have a passion for it. Road dots were very, very funny. You ever seen a comic and you say to yourself, Man, that, that, that guy is funny. Why isn't he famous? You never know. It's not a fair thing, you know. So some people do it for the fame. Some comics, the road dogs are out there. That's, that's what they love to do. They love to do They have no life. They have no family. They have no house, no nothing to call home. It's kind of like a scene from from a, a, from a death of a salesman, you know? <laughs> I mean, there, there's some comics that are out there. They, they, you know, they're out there taking their job from town to town and infecting people with their laughter. And at the end of the day, they die in obscurity. Nobody knows who they were, you know? Or well, what did it all matter? It's like Mr. Saturday Night, you know? Yeah. Uh, the movie with Billy Crystal. But... It's it's what they do. They have no choice. I'm going to do stand-up whether the wife takes everything I have or whether she dies and leaves me everything she has. Comedy and my, my, my social life, comedy and my, my economic life have nothing to do with each other. i got to do this. I need that audience more than they need me. It's your release. It's almost yeah. a, it's, it's your outlet. It's your outlet. It's what, it's what keeps the comedian sane is getting up there and speaking this crazy oh, I, thoughts. I tell people all the time, comedy helped me through 90% of my divorce. If I didn't yeah. have comedy, I'd be and a, a nut, nut And case. the divorce lawyer took the other 10%. Yeah. If it wasn't for comedy, I wouldn't be divorced, so I sang comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I sang comedy for getting rid of these three ladies that I had in my life, you know? Well, you got, any lovely, you got any lovely ladies in your life now? Or are you just staying away from them all? They're too much of a well, distraction. Right now, right now I'm, I'm nurturing three or four strippers that I'm, that I'm hoping <laughs> <laughs> One dollar at a time. One nice. dollar at a you know, time. You're, you're there a, you go. Their education fund. I, that's it. That's it. I'm all about getting educated. There you go. Yep. Well, listen, we got about another five or six minutes in the show. I really appreciate you calling. You spent a wonderful amount of time with us. Is there anything that you like to? Is there a, a new show or tour that you're you're working on right now? A tour, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm working on a couple of developing a couple of things. I'm working on you know like everybody else. I got a script, I got a show, I got this, and if it works, if if I'm successful, go hear about it. And if it doesn't, then I just go on with something else. But the one thing that a constant that I want to have in my life always. Is stand up. I want to go to your town. I want to just stand up there. I want to want to go to New York. I want to I want to go wherever wherever people are willing to pay a, a buck or two to come see me. I'll be on that Southwest. I'll be on that airplane to, to do it because when I get up on that stage, I'm not hurting. I don't feel my aches and pains. I don't have a headache. I, I'm not. I don't feel old. I, I, there's nothing. Nothing bothers me when you're on that stage. You know, there's an adrenaline, there's a rush, there's a drug, there's all these things. You feel powerful and happy and everything in your life is good because you're in control. Now, when you get off that stage, now that's another problem. But I, I want to die on stage. If I have to die, I want to die on stage. I mean, just like, uh, who was it, Sean, uh, Dick Sean, you know? Dick Sean died on, 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 under newspapers uh, doing his show. Uh, I, I don't foresee myself dying right away, but... But uh, I want to be able to do stand-up until I have to sit down to do it, you know? You, you got to be around. I, I have something to say. 
you got to be around long enough for us to have the budget to bring you to our show. You got to be around. I'm going without a budget. I'll see you. I'll see you guys soon. I want to thank you very much for this opportunity to talk to your listeners. And all I can say is that if you're a stand-up, uh, don't 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 talk about it. Be about it. Thank you very much, Paul. You have a great night. Drive safe, and we'll speak to you soon. And keep on making people laugh. All right, fellas. We'll see you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, Paul. All right, that was a great call. That was awesome. That was awesome. He spent on, I know, originally he was planning on 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. But he got caught up in the traffic jam, and what else are you going to do? And we just stayed on longer, but we have some... It happens. It's the the show time. you got to go by the station rules. But I am absolutely ecstatic. That was awesome. I'm going to give a special thanks also to a lovely lady by the name of Lakeisha, who helped me to make that interview happen. Lakeisha. Yes, and... um, you know, on that note, we really filled up a lot of time. I want to thank everybody for listening. Yes. Next week, we have another great call. Um, L.A. Hardy is going to be calling in, and we have a special guest ho- uh, guest that's going to be in the studio, uh, Mr. Nelson. It's going to be a good time. Uh, I'm going to let people know a little bit more about him, but he also has a podcast, uh, and he travels around doing a lot of comedy. He's really put together as far as what he's got going on in his young comedy career. But L.A. Hardy is a great comedian. He's traveled all over the world. He's done the USO tours in Afghanistan and all over. So he's done a lot of great things. And for myself, I'm just going to let you guys know that I have some comedy shows coming up. Um, You know, I will be over with uh, Coconuts in Clearwater. We're going to see if I could smooch my way into a couple of guest sets or anything over at Snappers, 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 Bob Burr. Shameless plugs. Snappers. But uh, no, I'm also going to be doing at the... Snappers doesn't just mean comedy club. (laughs) (laughs) Snappers, Snappers, Snappers. It can mean other things. We... We love, we the, love the comedy club snappers. There you go. And for turtles. Those, for those of you who don't know, that was the Jesus of comedy slam charming in. The voice behind the curtain. He, he you pushed. are welcome. <laughs> All right, guys, listen. Dave, you said you have some other shows coming up. I'm going to plug one more time. The, okay. We have February 11th is going to be the... Uh, we're going to be raising money for the Alzheimer's Fund at the Jewish Community Center. It's the 13th year. I know myself uh, and a few other comedians have already been locked in to get that going. That, that's a great thing because you can raise as much money as you want and they'll forget that you did. And, and you can you just do, do it, it over year. again. You, you do go. it as many times in the same night and say it's the same show. They'll be like, this is amazing. Well, this is going to have a unique show. It's going to have like a gong show theme to it. So there's going to be multiple people up, not just comedians. There'll be all sorts of oh, acts. Awesome. And you could be gong, so you got to bring your A-game, whether you're a juggler or a belly dancer. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and if you're a belly dancer, you shouldn't be a juggler. No. At the no. same time. Well, know. if you got a firm belly, maybe. If you got a firm belly, but not if you juggle. All right. So, listen, everybody, we want to go ahead and thank you for listening. We are going to go ahead and wrap up this week's episode. And once again, thank you very much for tuning in to Comedy Slam Radio and the Let's Be Frank show. We're going to speak to you next week. Go ahead and follow us on Facebook at Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank. You can also find us on iTunes at the Let's Be Franks podcast and on letsbefrank.podomatic.com. And always on Ustream and right here at ComedySlamRadio.com where we put the com in comedy. 
Thank you, everybody, and have a good night. Thank you.